The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Some people told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them in reply, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, they were greater sinners than all the other Galileans? By no means. But I tell you, if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Or those 18 people who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than everyone else who lived in Jerusalem? By no means. But I tell you, If you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. And he told them this parable. There was once a person who had a fig tree planted in his orchard. And when he came in search of fruit but found none, he said to the gardener, For three years now, I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree, but have found none. So cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? And he said to him in reply, Sir, leave it for this year also, and I shall cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. The Gospel of the Lord. Every year when teaching to the RCIA about the Sacrament of Reconciliation, Confession, I use an example from Bishop Sheen that many of you will remember who have been through that process about a woman who came to him regarding her husband. She said her husband had been very ill for some time. He was wasting away to nothing. No one could seem to help him. He'd been sent to a psychiatrist. Psychiatrists were unable to do him any good. And she wondered if Bishop Sheen would go and see him. And Bishop Sheen said, if his problem is psychiatric, I can't help him. But if his problem is moral, perhaps I can. So he went to see him. He said the man was nothing but skin and bone. He wasted away to nothing. And he said to the man, speak to me for a while. He said the man spoke to him for about 45 minutes. And when he finished, Bishop Sheen said to him, how much did you steal? And the man said, Nothing. I didn't steal anything. Bishop Sheen said, how much did you steal? 
The man said, I didn't steal anything. Why would you say I stole anything? Bishop Sheen said, in dollars and cents, how much did you steal? And the man said, $5,000. How did you know? Bishop Sheen said, well, you told me. You told me that whenever you touched money, you washed your hands. And I assume there was some dirty money in your past. That had been causing this man great suffering all this time. But it isn't always that way, is it? Some people who are truly evil, even public sinners, don't seem to suffer at all. Some people don't seem to have any guilt. Although there is always a spiritual death, and that's a reality too. And none of us, except those who haven't yet reached the age of reason, or those of us who have lost it, do experience sin and guilt and the need for repentance. There is that idea today that we should take the words in God we trust off of our currency. I've said before, I don't like that idea unless we replace it with one word, repent, which probably won't happen. In any event, our Lord deals with that in today's gospel. There are two examples. One brought about by human cruelty, Pilate, and the other by the falling of a tower, seeming accident. Our Lord uses those examples. Pilate was a ruthless man, uh, and he particularly didn't like the Galileans. The Galileans were a difficult and rebellious people, and Pilate was disliked in general by the Jews anyway. And about this time, Pilate had decided that Jerusalem needed uh, a new water delivery system. And they did, to purify the water. And he had developed a system for that, and it was worth it, and it was worth the expense, but he decided to take the money from the temple treasury, and the Jews were outraged. That was for only the temple, for the worship of God. So they came to him in a mob, and Pilate hid his own soldiers in the mob, not with swords, but with clubs, And at one point, they dispersed it, but many were killed, and they hadn't forgotten that. And that wasn't the only time that Pilate had an interaction with Galileans who were also in that crowd. Our Lord then says, do you think that they were the only sinners? He said, no. If you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. Now, the Jews had this idea, of course, that sin and suffering were connected. Our Lord denies that. It isn't always the case. At least physical suffering in this life, which we know aren't. He says, but you will all perish unless you repent. And he gives the example also of the Tower of Siloam. We don't know much about that, really, except that it was probably part of Pilate's aqueduct system, which in itself was hated. And anyone working on it would have been considered deserving of death for being a traitor to the kingdom. In any event, our Lord says, no, but if you do not repent, you will all perish as they did. So there is no direct connection in this life between suffering and sin, although on the national level he suggests that there is, because our Lord knows what's going to happen to them as a result of their own national sin, particularly their rejection of him. They will rebel against the Romans, which would never have happened if they'd accepted him, The Romans will come and destroy their city, level the temple, and in fact destroy the nation as well. 
there is a connection between national sin and suffering, which we can often see throughout history. We may see in our own world, too. But our Lord speaks of death also in the spiritual sense, as well as suffering after death. So we have to deal with that reality of repentance, too, as the scriptures remind us at this time of year, over and over and over again. And then he turns immediately to the idea of grace and the fruits that must come from grace. This is the fig tree. Our Lord does this more than once. That didn't bear fruit. There was no fruit on the fig tree. In spite of what, what, what the gardener has done, the gardener is a very conscientious man, as is God with, with us. Uh, we are, of course, the fig tree, and grace is the strength that we have. And so the owner of the orchard comes to the gardener and says, for three years now, three is an important number, I have come in search of fruit on this fig tree and have found none. Can you say the same thing about us? You have to ask ourselves that question. Given what I've been given, have I actually borne fruit? In any way, not by way of what someone else has been given, but by way of what I have been given. We sometimes make that mistake of judging ourselves by other people. I may think I've done a great deal in comparison to others, but then again I may have greater gifts than they do. I cannot, I've said before, comparison in the spiritual life is lethal. All I can do is respond continually to the grace that I've been given. By the way, competition isn't. That's a fine thing sometimes in the spiritual life to admire someone else's holiness and to wish to be as holy as they. Not at their expense, but that we too might uh, respond to God's grace. I have found none, so cut it down. Why should it exhaust the soil? Uh, But the gardener is concerned about the fig tree, as God is concerned about us. In this case, God is both the owner of the vineyard, of the the tree, rather, and the gardener. Sir, leave it for one more year. Give it one more year. As God gives to us over and over and over again in our lives, uh, one more year. I will cultivate the ground around it and fertilize it. See, again, how concerned the gardener is about that tree, as God is about us. He's always giving us greater grace. One of the nice things, one of the incredibly beautiful things about God, um, nice is a word that's used entirely too much in our world, uh, and it has no relationship to the gospel. Uh, It's not the same thing as kindness or love. Uh, It's an affective term. In any event... Whenever, let's say we go to confession, let's say that we have sinned grievous, grievously and have lost the divine life, sanctifying grace. When that grace is restored in that sacrament, not only does God give us the grace we had lost, he gives us more. God is always giving us more than we, than we had and more than we asked for. There's always a greater abundance of grace. So now the gardener is suggesting, let me do more for this tree than I, one more year. Uh, again, Cultivate it, fertilize it. It may bear fruit in the future. If not, you can cut it down. So there we are in our own lives, aren't we? Uh, Responding to God's grace, always having to come back, and always being given more than we had before, as we will see in next week's gospel, by the way, which is the prodigal son. Uh, And then when God gives us more, we often don't do much with that either, and sometimes even less. So we have to ask ourselves, what am I doing with what I've got? 
And I suppose there are those who would say, well, you know, uh, I don't have very much. By the way, most people don't say that. Uh, most of us think we've got quite a bit. Uh, but we might say, you know, I don't have all that much to give. I don't have great gifts that other people have. I don't have great power that other people might have. I don't have authority or influence that other people might have. And that may be true. But to say that I don't, that my gifts mean nothing, that I can accomplish nothing, that I can't bear fruit, no one who has received the Eucharist, who has received the body and blood of the Lord, can say that. The beautiful hymn at this time of year, Lord, look down upon your flock, look upon their yearning. Man is dust, and unto dust he shall be returning. Lift him up, O Lord of life. Flesh has gained him sadness. Look on him, bestow on him everlasting gladness. As I said, given the Eucharist, you can accomplish anything. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the blood of your Son and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, her members will always respond more perfectly to the grace given to them, especially the Church suffering, we pray to the Lord. For all nations of the world, especially our own, that they will listen to the call of repentance, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, that they may know that in their suffering they are proclaiming the kingdom of God, we pray to the Lord. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith and rejected grace, we pray to the Lord. For an end to abortion and euthanasia in all of its forms, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will proclaim repentance and conversion to our world, for a greater reverence for the prophetic nature of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having first been in the presence of the Lord, they may then proclaim the kingdom and preach repentance, we pray to the Lord. For all those working on our building project, that they will remain safe in the course of the building, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, our lives will be so transformed by the grace that we have received that the world will see Jesus Christ in us and in his church. We pray to the Lord. Lord we now join our prayers to those of the refuge of sinners and the sorrowful mother as we sing. Mm-hmm. 